Welcome to In the Oil Patch, presented by Shale Magazine, broadcasting today from Agreco Studios. Agreco, powering the Permian. In the Oil Patch is where, together, we explore topics that affect us all in oil, gas, business, and in your community. Every week, your host, Kim Bellotto, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch. And welcome to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. I'm your host, Kim Bellotto, and today, we have a great show lined up for you. We will be joined in studio this time with David Blackman, the editor of Shell Magazine. And we will also be joined by Michael Howard, who is the CEO of Howard Energy. But first, I'd like to talk to you about the latest issue of Shell Magazine. The cover this issue is Brad Barron, who is the CEO of New Star Energy LP. That is an amazing company. If you uh, have not heard of them or want more information on their leadership, the company, I I highly encourage you to go to shale, S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G dot com and get yourself the free digital issue of Shell Magazine. And it also, when you sign up for the digital issue, will give you access to all the events we're having, as well as anything that is going on Shell-related. So definitely go and sign up for your free digital issue of Shale Magazine at Shale, S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G.com. I hope you guys can join us for State of Energy and Corpus Christi. It is scheduled for April 13th, and our keynote speaker will be Mike Howard of Howard Energy, as well as we'll be joined by Sean Strawbridge, the CEO of the Port of Corpus Christi. We'll also have an amazing panel discussing climate change, coronavirus, and what this means for you. So it's definitely a luncheon that you don't want to miss. Again, it's called State of Energy in Corpus Christi, scheduled for April the 13th. For more information or to get your tickets, this will be a sold-out event. Please go to shellmag.com. And now, let me bring on the editor of Shell Magazine, David Blackman. David, I am so excited to have you. You're in studio. Me too. It's such a beautiful day in San Antonio. I'm happy to be here. Now, we've been on the air for almost four years. Almost, yeah. And you have never joined me in studio. I've never been in studio. It's been What a treat treat this is. (laughs) Well, we've got a lot of things to talk about. We just finished a luncheon with Women's Energy Network. What an exciting luncheon that was, right? It was outstanding. Really great event. A lot of stuff discussed there, like the coronavirus. And it is breaking right now. I want to talk about that uh, because I think everyone is questioning, first of all, the virus. How bad is it? And uh, the impacts it could potentially have on the oil and gas sector. So tell me your thoughts on it. Well, it's, uh, of course, everything's up in the air. We don't know how bad it is. Uh, Hopefully it won't be a bad thing. The president had a press conference on Wednesday evening and uh, seemed very reassuring about his belief that it wasn't going to be a major epidemic here in the United States, which is great news, and hopefully that will be the case. It certainly has had an impact on the industry already. Uh, crude prices have dropped really through the floor. We had a, a support level of $50 a barrel mm. on West Texas Intermediate, and it plunged through that on Monday and kept falling throughout the week along with the financial markets. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of fear right now in the markets, and that's uh, markets don't like unknown things, right? Anything that's not known is a negative thing. It's always going to have a negative impact on oil prices. It's always going to have a negative effect on financial markets. So 
right now it's having a very significant effect. Hopefully things will stay what looks I'm hopeful anyway that things seem to have maybe peaked in China, if you can believe what their government is saying. Uh, the number of cases seems to have leveled off and started to actually fall a little bit. Uh, hopefully that will become a trend and, and it will go away relatively quickly. Uh, so anyway, it's having an impact already and it's significant and uh, and we shouldn't gloss over that. But yeah, Wall Street tends to just completely... Uh, you know, go crazy, but we shouldn't. I mean, I think there's a difference. Right. There's influenza, which typically tends to kill more than what we're seeing right now with probably the coronavirus. Now, I'm not an MD. I'm not saying that I know everything, but I just don't want people to panic because it seems like when we talk about energy, the environment, and now a virus, uh, people just want to go to the other end of the spectrum and just panic. And, and yeah. I'm saying, just be cautious and let's figure this out. Right. Let's switch gears and talk about Marathon Oil. And I'm wondering if it has anything to do with the coronavirus. Um, they are cutting their drilling budget by 10% from 2019. Is this a signal that of a developing trend that's happening in the oil patch? And also, will there be other operators will see the same trend? I think we, I think we probably will. Um, and What's it's it because of what's happening okay. right now. You know, in the first quarter of this year, China's economy has, has really collapsed. Mm-hmm. It's kind of shut down, uh, trying to quarantine all these areas in that country. And it's had a major, major negative impact on their demand for crude oil and demand for crude oil around the rest of the country. And so the industry, particularly upstream companies like Marathon, will just now be responding to this and trying to project, okay, do we really want to go forward with these drilling budgets that that we implemented at the first of the year, which most companies had fairly robust budgets? Uh, now I think you're going to see that Mar- Marathon's kind of the tip of the spear. You're probably going to see a lot of these companies go back and say, hey, maybe we don't want to spend that much capital on drilling in the first half of the year. Let's back off somewhat, see what's going to happen. And, and readjust at mid-year. And I think you'll see a lot of companies uh, doing that here over the next you know month or so. I think we'll see a lot of companies adjusting their budgets. Can we pivot to the election cycle and the uh, rhetoric that's going on, drama? We, we had another presidential debate uh, <laughs> the other day. And, and surprisingly, oil and gas was not on the chopping block, Thank but goodness. it had been the debate before. Yeah. And there were a lot of calls for now they want uh, some of the candidates want to put these uh, executives in jail. Uh, I think that was Elizabeth Warren <laughs> and uh, Joe Biden yeah. and Bernie. Yeah. And Bernie Sanders also was discussing uh, first day he's in office. He's going to executive order uh, out, you know, ban fracking. And I'm just curious your thoughts on where are we now with, you know, we had a great article come out. It's on our shell blog about really what's happening in the political sphere and all of this uh, drama, if you will, on, on oil and gas. It's like, yeah. let's let's beat up oil and gas. What are your thoughts? Where are we going with this? Well, I think the first thing we, we need to all keep in mind is you should take these presidential candidates at their word. Uh, when Bernie Sanders says he wants to ban fracking, he can't really do that with an executive order. He probably thinks he can right now. He'll find out he can't. But, but when he says he wants to do that, he's not kidding. This is, this is serious business. This is part of his program. It's part of Elizabeth Warren's program, part of Joe Biden's program. 
Uh, Mike Bloomberg hasn't said anything about it yet. We don't know about him. But you should take them at their word and, and make your decisions on who, who to vote for based on what they tell you they're going to do because that really is what they intend to do. That, to me, spells doomsday for everyone. Well, everyone. it would be terrible, certainly, for the oil and gas industry and for for the whole economy in the country, but especially in Texas, Pennsylvania, heavy oil and gas producing states, it would be, it would cause an economic collapse. Well, that sounds like doomsday to me. Well, it is. Okay. It okay. Is, okay. Yes. Just making okay. sure. All right. Uh, we'll use that word. Let's switch gears, talk about flaring, too. So there was a new report out from Ronstead Energy claiming that the volume being flared in the Permian Basin might be 30% higher than previously reported. Could this possibly be correct? Uh, It could be because what Ronstead's doing uh, in their calculation, it could be, because previous estimates of flaring in the Permian Basin have focused strictly on wellhead flaring. Mm Mm-hmm. And haven't included flaring happening at processing plants, central delivery points, tank batteries, and other central locations, facilities like that. And so whether it's 30% higher, I don't know. Reistad has been a very, uh, you they've know, been good, they've been good, good on their analyst research. firm. They've been, yes. So I think you have to take what they say seriously and, and look at it and analyze it. Um, but the, they're just including in their analysis uh, locations that hadn't been looked at before right. previously. So, Well, you know, I think the energy sector really has to take a hard look at this and figure out how they're going to deal with this because well, they, do. They, they, they really don't need any more added on their plate. And this is a perfect excuse as to why, you know, n- to find a solution for, for flaring. And I'm glad to hear that the commissioners are, are trying to work on how do we solve this problem too, the Texas Railroad Commissioners. Yes, they're being very proactive on it. It's good for Good for the industry and good for the government and the state. Very good. Well, David, thank you for coming in. I'm so glad you drove in today to come and meet Me us too. in the studio. Anyone wants to email you, you know, you answer questions. You're happy to, to talk to them about uh, if they have questions and answers. That's what we're here for. And then also we love to read them on the radio, too. So I encourage our listeners, go to shellmag.com, send us a question, and we'll be happy to read it uh, on the radio. Absolutely. Well, David, thank you for driving all the way from Dallas, Texas, to come into the studio and be live with our our group today. I would like to encourage our listeners and, of course, your fan base. Anyone wants to know more about oil and gas, there's always a lot of people that have questions. I encourage you to go to shellmag.com. You can click on the uh, information button, and there they can leave a question, and we'll be happy to read it on the air because you are an expert in the energy field. And so we want to encourage dialogue. Uh, Absolutely. But that is all the time we have. Don't go away. When we return from break, we'll be joined in studio by Mike Howard, who is the CEO of Howard Energy. Hi, folks. Alvin Bailey here. Did you know Agreco is proud to sponsor In the Oil Patch radio show? Agreco has served Texas oil fields for over 10 years, supporting producers with temporary power to get their product to market. When utility power is not available, Agreco is your reliable alternative. They service everything from pump jacks with a single 200-kilowatt unit to massive gas processing facilities requiring 50 megawatts or more. Agreco is your dedicated engineering partner for diesel and natural gas generators, as well as battery power solutions. Call Agreco today at 1-800-AGRECO. That's 1-800-A-G-G-R-E-K-O. 
Farmers and ranchers are the hardest working people on earth and deserve a side-by-side -side vehicle that works just as hard. That's why Yamaha makes the Viking an all-new Viking 6, the world's first true three and six person UTVs assembled in America. Ranked number one in drivetrain durability, Viking outworks and outclasses the competition in features, comfort, and off-road capability. For more, visit YamahaViking.com. Most dependable claim based on a 2013 Yamaha Source side-by-side -side owner study. Remember this name, Oil Field Experts, to locate any part, any time for your automotive or oil field equipment needs. Oil Field Experts' specialty is those hard-to-find oil field parts for your fleet maintenance needs, and we've been providing those parts and accessories to keep your tools turning since 1965. From the auto repair shop to the pump jack, call us for the right part right now. Write down this number, Oil Field Experts, 210-471-1923. Again, that's 210-471-1923. And visit us on the web at theoilfieldexperts.com. And now it's time to welcome our guest, Mike Howard, who is the chairman and chief executive officer of Howard Energy. Mike, welcome to the show. Thank you, Kim. You know, we're excited to have you. This is the first time you're joining us in the oil patch. And I think it's important that we uh, welcome executives on the show to talk about the energy industry. You guys have the most knowledge of anybody in the energy industry and have your a finger on the pulse, if you will. But I want to start off by just talking a little bit about your past and who you are. You have over 25 years of experiencing in developing and managing midstream companies. Prior to you starting Howard Energy Partners in 2011, you also served as the president of a midstream company, Energy Transfer Partners, as well. Tell me a little bit about uh, your path. How did you get to starting Howard Energy? Was it just a thought, and then you just you know fast forward and made it made it come true? Or tell me a little bit about your background and how you got started and how you started Howard Energy. Oh, thank you. I appreciate you asking me to be here. I'm, I'm from South Texas. And I uh, was born and raised. My dad was an ag teacher, so I knew nothing about the oil and gas business. When I decided to uh, go to university and chose chemical engineering, it was because that was the highest paying job that I could receive from that university. So it wasn't a moral cause, I would cause it, call it whenever I chose chemical engineering. It was because that was a great degree. Interesting part about South Texas is there is a lot of oil and gas there. And my university projects centered around oil and gas field plants and compressor stations and pipelines. And so our class projects and our internships were around that. That started my career into Union Pacific Resources, which was an oil and gas company with pipelines and plants. Went to Duke Energy Field Services. I got into management and away from engineering. Um, went to Crosstex Energy to energy transfer, and I became president of that company. It was very large at the time. It's gotten much larger since then. And how I started Howard Energy was I wanted a company, I wanted to design a company that I wanted to work for, one that uh, I wanted to show up to work every day and do something meaningful. So our vision has always been to be a meaningful endeavor. And that can mean a lot to a lot of different people. But right. for, for us, meaningful endeavor uh, is to be impactful in the lives of people that we mm -hmm. live and work around. Well, I think 25 years I see it with all the different companies that you just listed, specifically Howard Energy. It's a midstream company. Let's talk a little bit about um, some of the progress that you've made in the last couple of years as a midstream pipeline 
company. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, we are a diversified midstream company, which means we work to be in many different business lines to make money in many different ways. Good. Uh, a lot of revenue streams. A lot of revenue streams because we know how the, the, cycle, the cycles of this business are. We understand that this, the business is cycling. We have port facilities and Port Arthur Corpus in Brownsville. We have uh, gathering pipelines up in Pennsylvania. We have processing plants in uh, Laredo and West Texas. Um, and then we have gathering and, and transportation pipelines into Mexico. Uh, we have a pipeline leaving Laredo, Texas, going to Monterey, Mexico now. So it's a, it's a quite a diversified system. Now, Shell Magazine did a feature on Howard Energy, specifically in uh, the pipelines that were heading into Mexico, because they were actually some of the first, or, or the first, correct, that actually Mexico allowed the United States to bring the energy into their country. That's right. Um, how big of a job was that? The joke internally was it would have been easier to colonize Mars. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> but, but no, the, the first pipeline uh, laid in Nuevo León in, in that area. Nuevo León only touches, that's a state in Mexico, it only touches the U.S. for 17 kilometers. And we crossed out of Texas into Nuevo León and the first pipeline to reach Monterey from Texas in that, in that way. And we stayed in one state. The state of Nuevo León worked very well with us, and the state of Texas worked very well with us to provide the, the cleanest, most abundant, affordable energy that, that they've seen. And that's the largest natural gas user uh, in Latin America is in Monterey, Mexico. So we were able to take cheap natural gas from South Texas and combine it with a uh, new demand source. They're building new power plants down there. Population's right. growing. There's a big demand for natural demand. gas in Mexico. That's right. If Just to put some numbers around it, we were importing into Mexico out of the U.S. about a, a 2 billion cubic feet a day. Uh, that was back in 2012 when we started this project. Today, the U.S. is exporting uh, closer to 6 to 7 billion cubic feet of gas into Mexico and growing. I can imagine that it must have felt amazing to get something that had never been done before Considering how close Mexico is to us, one of our greatest partners, just to think how long they have done without and to see the changes that are going on in their country as well with them trying to also see um, how to utilize different countries for their energy resources instead of just having it in just Mexico and dealing with what they had dealt with for many years in the past is a very, very interesting opportunity for them as well as I would imagine for us. I wanted to bring you on the show because you have actually started a lot of forward thinking, in my opinion, as an executive. Uh, I think it's absolutely necessary, Mike, that what you are doing, we capitalize on, which is allowing you an opportunity to discuss how important an executive is to talk about the benefits and what we really need to be thinking about when we're talking about energy and how we use it and climate change. We're going to go to break, but when we return, I want us to get into some uh, some conferences that you've been attending that you've been actually getting up and speaking on this topic, which is kind of unheard of in the energy industry. But we're going to take a quick break. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. I'm Tracy Bentley, the CEO President of the Permian Strategic Partnership, an alliance of 19 energy companies located in West Texas and Southeast New Mexico. For the first time in history, our companies have come together with one goal in mind, supporting our community. In 2019, our first full year of existence, we committed more than $30 million to support six major initiatives, built partnerships with dozens of community stakeholders, and helped secure an additional $1 billion in state and federal funding for roadway improvements in the Permian Basin. 
By partnering with local leaders, we will continue to work hard to make roads safer, improve schools, upgrade health care, increase affordable housing, and train the next generation of workers. Because we don't just work here, we live here, and neighbors are supposed to help each other out. For more information, go to permianpartnership.org, permianpartnership.org. Do you know what artificial intelligence can do for your operation? It's probably time to find out. With Aspen Tech Software, your business can harness the full power of AI to achieve new levels of performance. Aspen Tech's leading-edge solutions are a critical part of the world's largest oil and gas, chemical, and engineering companies, helping them improve safety, sustainability, reliability. Drawing on decades of industry experience, Aspen Tech is using AI, machine learning, and predictive analytics to help companies digitally optimize the design, operation, and maintenance of their facilities. Find out how Aspen Tech can help you win tomorrow with the technology of today. Learn more at www.aspentech.com forward slash AI. Any business can benefit from advertising to the oil and gas industry, but it's really important to partner with a marketing company that has a proven track record with this growing industry. Shale Oil and Gas Business Magazine is the one-stop shop that will keep you in front of the customers that you need to grow your business. So let's start growing your business in Texas. Email us, info at shalemag.com. Again, that's info at shale, S-H-A-L-E, mag, M-A-G, dot com. Or you can call us, 210-240-7188. Again, that's 210-240-7188. we're back. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is Mike Howard, Chairman and Chief Executive Officer for Howard Energy Partners. Mike, before the break, uh, we were talking about the company as a whole and some of the great achievements that you all have accomplished under your leadership. I am a true believer in that the leadership of a company really determines how well that company is going to do. Uh, And not just in profitability, but in also uh, their vision, their mission, and how they go about operating on a day-to-day. What is it like to work for that company? And uh, do they have buy-in from their employees, which is crucial right now. Uh, We have a very competitive uh, workforce, and so wanting to go to work every day should be an important thing that we should all want to do. You have been a leader, if you will, uh, stepping outside of probably your comfort zone of wanting to have discussions uh, to people that are not in oil and gas, talking about the importance of energy, and really thinking about some underlying problematic issues if we listen to the discussions that are happening right now. Rather, it's an elected official. Uh, We have a lot of people running for president of the United States saying that they will outlaw fracking from day one if they're elected to the White House. And there's a lot of discussion on climate change as a whole. You are taking a position that it's time to start talking about it as an executive. But tell me, as an executive, what are some of the most important things that we can learn from fossil fuels? And what are some of the biggest challenges that the industry is facing when we talk about uh, y'all's path forward? Yeah, the discussion that media and others have been framing for us, I think, has been incorrect. Uh, when you, I agree with you, by the way. <laughs> yeah, when totally. You, when you go back and... And I've, I've done the research now. You go back and study 
human progress and how did we get to where we are today to even start having the energy discussion? How did we talk about peak oil in the 70s, uh, a massive global cooling that was going to be going on? And we were so worried about that to high energy prices in the 80s and then oil crashing and all the things that we've gone through. But when we look at where humans have gone in the same time period uh, with infant mortality uh, being at the lowest it's ever been when uh, our life expectancy is highest it's ever been and start started doing research to figure out where is this coming from? Uh, what role did energy play in all this? And it was really shocking. Um, I'm a capitalist first and foremost. Uh, if there is another way that we can invest and help people and make money while doing it, fantastic. I'm a conscious capitalist, you know, so why not, why not do that? And I figured out that renewables aren't going to get us anywhere because they're unreliable. And so the, the thought that we can take a renewable energy source, replace fossil fuels uh, with that or anything to replace fossil fuels, it just hasn't been invented. And so it was just the wrong framework. And then I also figured out that what we would be doing to the poor if we started restricting energy, either by restricting fracking or restricting uh, drilling, doing anything with uh, restriction of energy, it really hurts the poorest the most in the planet. Let's drill down into that. The city of San Antonio, which is where you and I call home, has been for the past year on a mission to uphold, uh, in some ways, in their own ways, the Paris Climate Accord treaty that President Trump removed us from. And there's actually been 400 cities that have signed on uh, to this. And we're starting to see some of the downfall, if you will, of cities following this path. Uh, we're starting to see higher utility costs in certain cities that have signed on to 100% renewables. That's right. And they're being sued right now, which I encourage listeners to Google Georgetown, uh, Austin, Texas, right down the road from San Antonio. And yet we have a city that the mayor and the city council insist that this is a great thing for us to be moving towards. And I'm not saying that I'm necessarily opposed to green, but what I am opposed to is uh, if we're going to do it really quick, we're going to throw the baby out with the bathwater, if you will, and not understanding it's going to have consequences. When we come back from break, I want you to tell me what you think is your position on how cities can adopt some better ways of doing things greener, but without harming their most vulnerable citizens, the elderly, the poor, and of course, the newborns. You're listening to and the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. Psst. Hey, you. Do you want to join the fastest growing oil and gas network in Texas? Ma'am, I'm all for growing my business. So you've got my attention. What is it? TEAK is the Texas Energy Advocates Coalition. They hold business mixers to help businesses grow and network. Any cost to join? For the next 90 days, it's completely free. No charge to join. But they do want like-minded individuals to attend who are interested in growing their business and networking. Well, I want to join. Where should I go? Go to shalemag.com slash and click on the join link. Enter your information and we'll get you set up. Join the Texas Energy Advocates Coalition at shalemag.com slash teak today. Shale Oil & Gas Business Magazine provides services like print advertising and digital marketing. Our digital advertising services include website, email, radio, video, and social media. Shale also provides specialized web services from website management to search engine optimization and social media management. Visit our website, shalemag.com.
And we're back. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is Mike Howard, Chairman and Chief Executive Officer for Howard Energy Partners. Mike, before the break, I was talking about the city of San Antonio, 400 other cities, about 400 other cities have signed on to the Paris Climate Accord. Even though President Trump removed us, they felt that they want to try to do their part of, of doing things greener within their own cities. And as a result, we're starting to see some of their choices playing out in cities like Georgetown in Austin and the city of San Antonio and Houston recently adopted plans to be greener. I want to get your thoughts on it. Uh, what are your thoughts on the city? Are they uh, moving in the right direction? And then, uh, uh, you know, tell me a little bit about what can we do to uh, try to increase awareness for energy? So first of all, I'm, I'm green. I'm a landowner. I, I bought a ranch in the last six years and done a lot to improve wildlife and resources around that ranch and and just love the outdoors why do people think that energy folks are are they don't care about the planet we all have to live in the planet we We all live here i have young children i'm very interested in a plant to be around a long time i'm very interested in their livelihood and and i spend a lot of money and resources on doing that uh, to make sure that we have open spaces and invite a lot of kids out i love doing that uh, to the ranch. What I've noticed is the conversation is wrong. Uh, when they, when the city of San Antonio talks about a climate action plan or any city for that matter, following Paris, it is leaving out the poorest people. As we've seen throughout the world, the, the, the riots that have happened, the uprising as fuel taxes have increased to fund what the, what people would call green projects, which are more expensive. Uh, you've had uh, months of riots in Paris, to Iran, to Ecuador, to the Dominican Republic, um, that all these places, the poorest are the ones that are the ones that are hurt because in order to fund these projects, which are not economical because the sun doesn't shine at night, the wind doesn't blow all the time, and so there, and that's just talking about electricity. We're still not talking about how do you replace transportation fuels, which is uh, a very over fifty percent of the energy the world uses is from transportation fuels. Only thing we're talking about with wind and solar renewables is just electricity generation. Well, I know where I come from, and the electric bill in my household was a big, big deal, and it's a big deal to most voters uh, these days that that they're all for the uh, environment as well. But when it comes to feeding their family and flourishing personally. Uh, versus the environment, they're going to feed themselves personally, and they want low electric bills in order to do that. And with a lot of the policies that we've seen, do nothing but raise energy prices. And energy is the business that that energizes every other business. So if our stuff is more expensive, everybody's stuff is more expensive. Okay. If, if the so, consumer gets. That's right. It gets it gets passed on to these consu- to the consumers. That's us. right. No, nothing, when you wake up in the morning, everything you touch has something to do with oil and gas, mm-hmm. including your electricity, including your coffee cup. Including and, your toothpaste. Including your toothpaste. Shampoo. Everything has to do with oil and gas. If oil and gas is more expensive, that's more expensive. If you put money into uh, green projects, what again, I'm all for uh, projects that are carbon neutral, but the way we're going about it and the conversation we're going about it really leaves poor people behind. You know, I think that when the indigent elderly think about this topic, they need to really take a step back and think about, can they really afford when you go to the grocery store and you see all this organic rows? And they're always higher than just the regular pesticide-ridden tomato that you really want to buy, right, for your family, or the car that you go to a used car dealer because, you know, that's what you can afford versus a Tesla that's 
entry level $40,000. Uh, you're making a good point that if you cannot afford a higher utility bill, you cannot afford higher gas prices, that means you're going to do less driving because you can't afford it. Everything comes back to the amount of energy that we're using, and we're expecting a demand for energy in the future. Things that are surprising to me, Mike, are the fact that we're not talking about, you know, you talk about we're not talking about the right topics. You're right, we're not. 20% of the planet still lacks basic energy. That's right. Uh, and in these countries that lack basic energy, they they also have a spike in lower lifespan, their Infant mortality rate is higher. They lack access to fresh drinking water, um, uh, vaccines, uh, medication. And it is the indigent parts of the world that lack this. And we see a surge of the renewables coming on or solar wind, and, and they're putting them out there, and they're, they're unreliable, like you're saying. Um, I read an article yesterday in, the, uh, in one of the media sources uh, discussing how I think it's Wyoming is, is becoming a graveyard for all of the wind turbines <laughs> because they can't recycle That's the right. blades. We've all seen those big blades cruising down the freeway That's right. in a big 18-wheeler with a lot of gas-guzzling 18-wheeler. Some of this, you know, you and I are kind of thinking a little bit higher level when you yeah. start thinking about how does this make sense to you? So how does this make sense yeah, to so, anyone? Yeah, so... Being an engineer, it's kind of basic to me. I learned that there is no free lunch, that energy is neither created nor destroyed. So every renewable machine that we see out there, whether it be a wind turbine or a solar panel, is made from non-renewable resources. Mm-hmm. And so you have to have resources to make those things. Yep. Um, a Tesla, the reason why they're so expensive is they are made of a lot of oil and gas. Yeah. Uh, and, and it, it, Talk to it, us about the batteries. Yeah, so it, batteries are made from magnesium, cobalt, aluminum, um, Seventy percent of the world's cobalt comes from the Democratic Republic of Congo. A um, lot of problems with child labor there, a lot of unregulation. And when, when you look at the 500 to 1,000 pounds of material that it takes to make every pound of a Tesla battery, uh, it is unbelievable how much oil and gas that it took to make a Tesla. And so, But, you know, there's a lot of very influential people that drive the Teslas and sure. feel that they are doing their part sure. in making the planet greener. And, you know, I want to throw a book at them like The Moral Case for Fossil Fuels. Here, read this uh, and, and think about how you're going to drive that Tesla around mm-hmm. feeling that way. When we get back from break, I want to talk about CEOs and what can they do to have a, a discussion to their peers and to their community and to their employees, because there, there is a lot that they, th- I think that we both think that they can do to help uh, spur on a really good and dynamic conversation instead of conversations that really are not even necessary to be having at this moment in time. Good. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. We'll be right back. Hi, folks. Alvin Bailey here. Did you know Agreco is proud to sponsor In the Oil Patch Radio Show? Agreco has served Texas oil fields for over 10 years, supporting producers with temporary power to get their product to market. When utility power is not available, Agreco is your reliable alternative. They service everything from pump jacks with a single 200-kilowatt unit to massive gas processing facilities requiring 50 megawatts or more. 
Agreco is your dedicated engineering partner for diesel and natural gas generators, as well as battery power solutions. Call Agreco today at 1-800-AGRECO. That's 1-800-A-G-G-R-E-K-O. Remember this name, Oil Field Experts, to locate any part, any time for your automotive or oil field equipment needs. Oil Field Experts' specialty is those hard-to-find oil field parts for your fleet maintenance needs, and we've been providing those parts and accessories to keep your tools turning since 1965. From the auto repair shop to the pump jack, call us for the right part right now. Write down this number, Oil Field Experts, 210-471-1923. Again, that's 210-471-1923, and visit us on the web at theoilfieldexperts.com. The vision of the Women's Energy Network is to be the premier organization that educates, attracts, retains, and develops professional women working across the value chain. Also known as WEN, our mission is to develop programs that provide networking opportunities and foster career and leadership development of women who work in the energy industry. Thousands of women are breaking ground in energy industry careers every year, and 4,000 of them are already members of the Women's Energy Network across our 14 chapters. Members receive exclusive access to mentoring, job boards, group discussions, member-only networking events, expert speaking engagements, and more. Join today by visiting womensenergynetwork.org slash Houston or call 1-855-390-0650. The Women's Energy Network, empowering women in energy. Farmers and ranchers are the hardest working people on earth and deserve a side-by-side vehicle that works just as hard. That's why Yamaha makes the Viking an all-new Viking 6, the world's first true three- and six-person UTVs assembled in America. Ranked number one in drivetrain durability, Viking outworks and outclasses the competition in features, comfort, and off-road capability. For more, visit YamahaViking.com. Most dependable claim based on a 2013 Yamaha Source side-by-side owner study. And we're back. You're listening to In the Old Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is Mike Howard, President and CEO of Howard Energy. Mike, we've had a lot of dynamic discussions on energy. Where are we going with energy? What can energy executives do to have or elevate the conversation about oil and gas where the general community can understand really what what, uh, to expect if we keep pushing closer and closer to banning fracking here in the United States? And, you know, when I look out, I, I think about how energy independent we've become in a short period of time with President Trump, that we no longer respond to things that are happening in the Middle East so quickly of getting into wars that probably are not necessarily our war to be getting into, uh, but we're refraining from them because we are energy independent. What do you think the path of executives in the energy sector can do to help flourish these kind of conversations, the common sense kind of conversations that we need to be having, not the scare tactic conversations that are going on right now. Yeah, so what I've been spending time doing is, one, educating myself and and gaining the confidence to have this conversation outside of the energy business and really trying to model for other executives and energy employees how to have a conversation um, and really trying to educate your circles of influence. We are a very small industry, even though we are the industry that powers every other industry. The number of people in our industry is very small compared to others. And so I think it's our job, not our industry association's job, uh, not the um, 
uh, not as much your job, not as much. It, it's our job as executives and as energy employees to educate ourselves to influence our circles of influence outside of energy. So you have some common sense conversations about math and science and, and physics that when you wake up in the morning and turn your light on, where does that electricity come from and what does it cost you? And what will it cost if you change what you're doing today to something else? It's those basic conversations that I think we're lacking right now uh, and, and really harming the conversation by making us feel bad for using energy or making us bad for using fossil fuels. We are a business that other people are using our products. And so it's a free market and we're producing something that people are using. It's not like we're producing something that no one's using. And, you know, to the critics that are listening to the show and saying, Yes, but you all are also contributing to climate change. You know, when I think about it, and I want to get your thought on this, unless we are prepared to go live in the woods, I've, hopefully everybody who's saying that has watched the, the, the TV show Naked and Afraid, because that's about what we're going to be if we decide to completely get off of fossil fuels. Now, obviously that's, you know, not going to happen, but... It is that serious of a conversation that we cannot sustain life without energy. Energy is actually what cleans the planet. It, it sustains life. It, it increases life. It lowers infant mortality rate. Uh, it gives us a better quality of life. What do you say to these individuals that, like, either way, if you want to go on this dire path that without fossil fuels we have uh, the, to the AOCs, we've got 12 years how do you stop this nonsense? I'd, I'd love to hear their proposals on how on how to. They do never it. say that. That, that. There's no proposals. They're always predicting the future, and we we can't predict the future. But I've not seen anything invented to date besides maybe nuclear energy that could help us um, transform lives the way we've done. There's when you look back on the number of forests in the U.S., we've actually increased the number of forests. We've actually increased the number of national parks. Uh, when you go to other countries that don't have fossil fuels and they're deforesting their land, their water is horrible. We've got to remember the four leading causes of death on the planet today are malaria, dirty water, hunger, and indoor air pollution. Because there's three billion people that still cook with wood and dung and have no access to electricity. We still need to help those people before we start worrying about the first world problems of climate change. We need to figure out how to help everybody. How many geniuses are embedded in that 3 billion people that may have the solution that we have to get us to the next level of energy transition? And, and the other part, though, is maybe, you know, like you said, the genius that is going to invent the fuel that we need for the future that probably hasn't been invented yet. But I just think that when we, we have these discussions, we need to really realize that they need to be done in a mindful way that we have to understand we, we're not in a place to, to turn the spigot off. And I don't think going after an industry that loves the planet, too, and is doing their fair should to, to actually lower admissions. The, the energy right. sector has lowered admissions, but you can't really do anything about cows. And, and, and they are a food source, so you That's can't right. do anything with these with this it's just a common sense discussion that we should be having instead of a a scare tactic discussion and i think that there are a lot of people on the planet that need our help and we need to be helping them as opposed to uh uh, looking at how are we shutting things off and just making now everybody on the planet unhappy that's right you got to remember we are 7.6 billion people today we were 1.6 billion people 120 years ago. We feed those people because we're able to fertilize crops now. 
We're able to distribute food through airplanes and ships. We're able to uh, sustain 7.6 billion people. And there's no famines on the planet today. There, there's nobody. Uh, there are, there is hunger. We remember. But there's Africa. no famines. We yeah. remember all the commercials back when we were kids in right. Ethiopia and all the famines going. China had horrible famines for years and years and years until they traded, the, changed their policy. And guess what? They're using more fossil fuels. People are flourishing. Uh, they're doing well. And so it, we can't forget that as we work on a transition. Remember, we've been using coal now for 317 years since the Industrial Revolution. It's still 38 percent of our energy on the planet comes from coal. And so we, we are in an energy transition, but it's going to take a long, long, long time. And we have to be patient with that. And we can't restrict energy because it hurts the poorest. Right. And I think as, as we look at our elected officials for answers of how are we going to tackle this problem, to me, when an elected official starts discussing we need to bring China and India, the two biggest polluters on the planet, into the discussion on right. how do we fix this. Now you're talking my language because the last I checked, Mike, we live in the United States of America. That is one continent and a whole entire planet. So we really need to look at you can't just take one country and expect them to do everything. We That's could right. certainly be the model right. of how to uh, develop technology to do things greener and, of course, find the path because we have this, some of the brightest and smartest people on the planet. But it needs to be done in a way that's a global approach. Mike, thank you for joining us today on In the Oil Patch Radio Show. We look forward to having you come back and talking to us a little bit more about your thoughts on a CEO level about how can we have discussions on climate change. Thank you. In the Oil Patch is where together we explore topics that affect us all in oil, gas, business, and in your community. Every week, your host, Kim Bilotto, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch.